Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern-day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast. This is Don Johnson speaking. Well, once again, we are coming to you with an interview from one of our frontline uh, authors. This time, it's Larry Ball. He's the director of the International Baptist Missions. I'll have him introduce himself to you in just a moment. Uh, his article uh, in our issue, our issue of Frontline, was on gambling. What's the big deal? And uh, of course, it is a big deal these days. And uh, we're uh, glad to have Larry Ball here. His article is on investing versus gambling. So he's making a comparison between the two, and he's uh, also going to uh, give some advice of his own experience, I guess, in in the investing world, uh, things that he learned through the years, and just some uh, wise counsel. Uh, We're not investment advisors. We're not giving any advice like that, but we're just trying to give counsel from our perspective, from uh, how to uh, look at life and how to work to provide for the needs of your family and uh, be able to serve the Lord uh, through giving and other means. So there was this was one of those episodes where we had a couple of uh, technical difficulties. You'll notice one of them because right in the middle of the program, we stop uh, and we restart. And that is because uh, the Internet where Larry was died on him. It took him a couple of minutes to get everything going again. So we had to sort of restart. So... I uh, fumbled my way through a restart of the question that I was about to ask. And uh, we uh, hope that is not a distraction. I don't think it will be. And the other thing that I need to remind you is that uh, we want to encourage everyone to be a subscriber, a paying subscriber. We'll be able to read Larry's article right away if you log on to our Substack. And a, uh, if you pay by an annual subscription, we'll also include the prints, uh, print print subscription to the magazine frontline will come to your door uh, through the mail so uh, without any further ado I'm going to bring Larry on and introduce him to you and we'll talk about our topic all right well our September October issue of frontline is out it's on the topic gambling what's the big deal and so today I have one of our authors with us his name is Larry Ball his article is called investing versus gambling uh, Larry and I go back a long way, all the way back to beginning golf and table tennis at Bob Jones when uh, back a long time ago, actually when they had physical education classes. I was always looking for the class that was easiest, so I didn't have to exert too much effort. And beginning golf seemed like a good one, uh, and my golf game is right there. I'm still at beginning golf, and that's like 40 or 50 years later. I don't know how long it's been since I graduated, but anyhow... Uh, we're going to leave my golf game aside. Larry, uh, we're going to talk about your article, but before we do that, why don't you give our audience a synopsis of your ministry so far, uh, how you got to be where you are and what you're doing these days. Well, after I graduated uh, from Bob Jones, I went west and began pastoring a little church very early on. I think I was 23 years old when I started pastoring, which I probably don't <laughs> recommend, but uh was there for seven years, and then we went down to Hollister, California for 19 years, where I pastored. We had a Christian school, 
And during that time, towards the end of that time, the Lord began to really burden my heart uh, for missions. And I won't go into the details, but uh, the Lord directed us there in 2008 to become the assistant director. Two years later, we took over as director of the mission board. So my ministry now primarily consists of working with our missionaries, traveling around the world, visiting different missionaries, helping their ministries, uh, preaching on missions here in this country. And then I also teach at uh, International Baptist College and Seminary there in Chandler. All right. Well, that gives you a very fruitful ministry, I'm sure, as you uh, end up in places that you never thought you would when back when we were taking a beginning golf and table tennis here. (laughs) Probably had no anticipation of where you're going to be. Sure. (laughs) We were... Yeah, I can. Uh, I, I I gotta get that out of my head because because uh, yeah, the, there's certain memories of physical education that I'd la- rather leave in the past. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, your article. Uh, it's in your article. It seems you're basically taking on two ideas: uh, investing versus gambling. So the first notion is one where people try to justify gambling by saying such thing as things as well. Isn't the stock market a gamble? So they're trying to justify, well, you know, gambling is okay. You can gamble uh, in investment as well as in the stock market. And the second idea is that investing is risky business and we should avoid all risks. So perhaps you could give uh, a comment on those two ideas. Well, there certainly are. It certainly is possible to invest in the stock market in a way that's gambling. Um, The idea of trying to get rich quick. Um, is, you know, I'll put the money here and it will explode overnight. And, and people are always trying to do that. And there's all kinds of advertisements out there trying to lure people into that, into that world. Um, one of the things I point out in the article is that I think it's, a, I think the, the difference between investing and gambling is really the, the point of view, what you're trying to do, the mindset. I'm not trying to get rich quick or not trying to get even to get rich necessarily. But to invest, uh, be a steward of what God has given you so that it produces and investing is helping that hopefully something good coming out of that and being able to uh, build a, a financial base for you and your family uh, for the years when you can no longer work or no longer produce the way that you currently produce. Right. Well, that's certainly true. And, and there is. There is a risk in you know in every activity of life, so we can't just simply say, well, because something has a risk, it's a gamble. It's uh, uh, you know, I mean, you walking outside of your door is a risk, <laughs> it, and so you know, uh, it, yes. there's always something that could happen. So we're not talking about a life with no risk. Um, uh, now, in the article, you did mention several. Uh, conservative approaches and possible types of investments, which uh, I thought those were helpful. And you're not offering it as advice, but just as examples. And uh, I don't want to go through all of those in detail, uh, but one thing I noticed uh, were uh, that you would use several terms. You could call technical terms of investing. So my education was mostly not in the school of business. Uh, I actually did spend a semester as a uh, business management major before I went into the uh, Bible major. So I did have some education, but not much. 
I wonder if you could recommend ways the average person could train themselves on terms so, so that they don't go into investments blindly. Okay, that's a good question. When I was younger, I was putting money aside as was recommended into a retirement account. And uh, I walked into my savings and loan where I had my, my bank account, checking account at the time. And the man uh, at the investment desk told me, you need to put your money in this account. This is doing really well right now. So I put all my money in that account. And uh, it shot up like a rocket. I mean, I think 70 plus percent it earned that year. And I was very happy. What I didn't realize was that the next year it went down just as fast as it had gone up. And so I realized I need, I don't know what I'm doing. Just having someone tell me, put your money here, put your money there. Uh, just did not seem like a good long-term plan. So there are a lot of good books uh, that are out there. Again, I say that there's also a lot of really bad books out there as well. But books are just a, a, that will describe for you the basic um, fundamentals of investing. Um, actually, a book that comes to mind is one that I don't even know if it's still published today, but it was one that uh, Charles Schwab wrote years ago. And not to promote Schwab funds, but uh, it was it, it it does cover the basic. I can't remember the title, but it's a great book. It's the nuts and bolts of investing. What are these funds? What are the terms that you can understand how? how the best way to invest. Obviously, having a good financial advisor, someone with a good track record, someone who ideally who is a believer and has the same values that you have would be someone to turn to as well. Uh, but I think you have a responsibility to be, be educated uh, on these things. It, it's, it's for your goods, for the good of your family and the future. Of your right, right. I think that's, that's absolutely true. I, Recall my own father, who was a businessman. Who uh, he, a uh, Christian businessman. He, uh, his most important goal was raising his kids for the Lord. But he, uh, he did invest, uh, and he studied investment and numerous books in his library, which I still have a lot of them in my own library. I haven't read them, but because they are his, I keep them. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, one book in particular, I remember uh, the title was How to Get Rich Slowly but Almost Surely. And I didn't read the book, but I, I think the philosophy behind that title is is really important. That, uh, Well, not the getting rich necessarily, but the idea of of being uh, careful and cautious and and not expecting too much out of what you're doing as an investor. Right. I mean, we we want to see results. Obviously, we want to see growth. But but the idea is to you want to invest in something where you're going to see long term results. Um, and um, most most risk is reduced as you spread out your investments over a, a whole sea of different type of assets. Um, mutual funds are built usually. A mutual fund is a fund of, of maybe hundreds of stocks in one particular area. Uh, but it might be large companies, it might be small companies, it might be international companies. Um, you need to have a variety in your in your portfolio to reduce right. that risk. Yeah, my understanding of that is the average person couldn't 
you know, you couldn't buy one stock of this company and one stock of that, you know, one share, you know, one share of one, because it's just, it wouldn't be, it would be terrible to try to manage it. And that's what the mutual funds do is they are able by pooling money, they can, uh, from investors, they can invest in all kinds of different, uh, stocks and they have people managing them and are, are, uh, watching the market and so forth so that, it, it, the idea is so they, they, this, the fund will grow and that uh, there will be a return on the investment. And that does reduce a lot of risk. Other investments, um, you know, that I think are important, uh, we, uh, you know, is, is uh, real estate. We uh, now nowadays it's very difficult for young people to get into that, uh, especially in some places like my city where the average price is over a million bucks for just an average home. And, you know, it's, so they, there are, you're going to have to find ways to, uh, provide, everybody has to live somewhere. You need shelter. So you're going to have to find a way to provide for that and hopefully be able to get into a home and uh, get yourself into the market so that you're building equity for yourself. Right. I think getting a home, getting into a home is probably one of the best investments you can make initially as, as a young person. Um, Rather than, than spending that money on rent that you'll never see again, making someone else um, wealthier, uh, being able to get into a home where you can actually start building equity would be, I think, the first priority of, of uh, a yeah. couple. Yes, it is. <clears throat> it's, it's just getting over the hump into that first home. We were, um, you know, my, right. my, uh, when we started out, prices were much lower. My mother uh, gave us a small gift. There were other ways to uh, that we added uh, financial. Uh, there was a the, the government here had a, a second mortgage program that they guaranteed that helped people get started, and so we got started. We got into the market. Uh, another thing that people I think can do. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't talk too much about this. This I, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I I was I was a realtor for. 20 years uh, as part of supporting our ministry. And uh, so I watched the real estate market closely. Another thing people I was going to say can do is find a home, look at a home less emotionally and more like a business and think of what it can produce for you. So if it has a suite that you can rent out or some other facility where it can start generating some income as well, that's always a help uh, to the whole process. So, Let's um, let's see. I wanted to go on. I do want to interview you, interview you rather than uh, give my own advice here. So uh, we we talked about investing. That is the get rich quick approach, uh, and I guess that definitely would fall more under the gambling category. All right. So we're back. We had a little internet hiccup, and uh, Larry disappeared from my screen just as I was asking a very insightful and important question. So instead, I'll just ask an ordinary question now, and, and we'll see where we go from there. So we were talking about the, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, approaching investing as a way to get rich quick, and that, that I think, is uh, gambling. I, you know, the, the idea of just blindly going in, you get a hot tip, you want to make a fast buck. That's uh, so, so how do we distinguish between the investment that is a kind of a gamble and one that is wise and prudent. 
again, I go back. One of the distinctions I make is your intent, your mindset. Are you trying to invest long term uh, for the future? It's investing in investing is putting money in companies that will produce something, um, a benefit. Uh, whereas just trying to put money in for see a quick rise in in the uh, internet or in the in the stock market. I think um, also if you're looking long term, you're going to diversify your investments. You're going to diversify over different asset classes, different funds, different types of investments, um, real estate, uh, stock market, bonds. Perhaps even gold funds, you know, hold precious metals, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And you need to understand enough of the market to know what percentage you should put in each one and how much you should invest. That's where a good financial advisor can be of help right. to you. And right. So, I, so the lone wolf approach is probably, uh, probably not wise. You should get some help, some education and some help. Yeah, if you're going to be a lone wolf, a lot of people have their own accounts and you can do it through a lot of discount brokerages. But even those discount brokerages, you can pay, I don't know what it is now. I remember back, back in the day, it was a hundred dollars or something to sit with an advisor right. for an hour. And that's a hundred dollars well spent to, um, get some other eyes. Right. At what some education. Doing. And yeah, that's a good idea. I would say, uh, now let me just see here. We talked about, we're talking about. Really, I guess, and we're talking about the mindset and the spirit that we enter into investment with as opposed to gambling. And we, you talked about spiritual problems that people might have with money and what ranging from greed to a kind of obsession, um, with investing, like where the investing becomes almost an idolatry. So, uh, maybe you could speak about that, guarding our hearts against um, making too much out of this or making it the sole obsession of our life. Right. Uh, things like this can become an obsession for a believer. And it's very important that our focus has to always be on Christ. Scripture tells us, set your affections on things above, not on things beneath, not things here below. Uh, our heart, our focus ought to be on that which is eternal, on on our Lord, on that which uh, really has profit, which is our walk with the Lord. And it's easy to to be distracted. Uh, and this is true of any sin. I mean, we get distracted, we get caught up in this world, the things of this world. And we can't let that happen. We have to keep our focus and our eyes upon the Lord. We, we need to be in the Word. We need to make sure our heart is uh, in love with Christ and that we are not just uh, trying to uh, go through the motions of, of Christianity while our real interest and our real love is dealing with our, you know, savings or our investments or things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. It's not, uh, and, and rich, riches themselves aren't our goal. I mean, riches, if they come, that's, that's just more opportunity to serve, but there, uh, there is, there is a, a reasonable, uh, wisdom in being prudent and providing for your family. Uh, and, uh, and, and so investing is looking long term to the time when there's less income and you're going to need to rely on some other source of funds in order to uh, carry on life and serving the Lord. So. Right. Early on, early on in my ministry, I knew a, a, 
fellow worker in ministry, and he confided to me that he had just loaned um, a ministry that he was with $10,000, and he was very concerned that he got that $10,000 back because it was all he had in his savings. And this is a man who was in his mid-70s at the time, uh, after a lifetime of serving in ministry, and that's all he had. He had no equity in a home. He had no life savings. That was that was his reserve, and, and it was very gracious and very um, kindly kind of him to loan that ministry uh, that money. But it's sad that after a lifetime of ministry, that's yeah. all he had, and. Dangerous. You become. You become. You can become a, a point of worry and contention in your life. Um, uh, there's just, I mean, a lot of negative things that can happen. I, I think he was very. Is a very godly man. That I think had uh, saw it all just a matter of us trusting the Lord. But you know, it, it's it's sad to look at someone who has to continue to work like that. Um, until they're unable, it has to depend on someone else to yeah. take care of. Them. Yeah, it's it's uh, now there are circumstances. We certainly sometimes the Lord puts you through that kind of situation where you know you are utterly dependent. But if you have the opportunity, uh, as as time goes on, you should find some way of trying to provide. You know for. Uh, for the future, right. all things being equal, obviously, you know the Lord can wipe out all our investments in a, in a second. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, right. All our prudence and right. wisdom and education and everything can, uh, you know, it's all in the Lord's hands in the end. Um, now we did uh, changing tack a little bit here. We talked to uh, or you talked in the article about debt and some uh, and there's. I suppose there's good debt and bad debt, although some people think there is no good debt. <laughs> and, you know, don't, don't borrow anything ever. And, uh, and I, that's, I can see some merit in that point of view. But uh, one area where uh, a lot of younger people struggle is with student debt and uh, with the cost of education. Uh, I think I recall my dad when I graduated I showed him my diploma and he says, man, he says, I spent $12,000 and all you got was a piece of paper. <laughs> and he, and that was $12,000 for four years of room, board, and tuition. $12,000. And it is, That's you can't hard. even get a semester for that anymore. So, so what advice uh, could you offer to young people and families about student debt? Um, it is a serious issue. There are a lot of students who graduate. I've talked to a number who would like to go to the mission field, but they are so loaded with student debt that they are unable to um, even consider it at the time. I think it's important that both parents and students realize there are a lot of ways to get through colleges today without having to acquire that kind of debt. Uh, there are a lot of scholarships available. There are a lot of different types of ways you can work, jobs you can work at while you're going through school. could be a job on campus. could be a job off campus. Um, you know, I, I'll put in a plug for IBCS. We do everything we can to try to uh, graduate students without debt. 
And most of the students I talk to do leave school uh, with most mm-hmm. of their debts paid. And uh, that, that's that's because they've worked. That's because they have maybe reduced the load that they're taking, spread it out over maybe five or six years rather than four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, all that is all that's helpful uh, so that you're not buried in debt. Right. Yeah. I young people. Uh, like I think of the term instant gratification, they might not think of a four-year college degree as instant gratification, but sometimes you stretch it out uh, and you can, uh, you know, you can uh, make it, uh, you know, take some time to work uh, and you, you know, you can cram four years into five or six and you, um, you will be in better stead going forward. Uh, I think that that's vital. Right. You can do the same thing with you can do the same thing with grad school as well. I, mean, I, I did I did my doctorate on the <laughs> ten year plan, and uh, you know, but but the but the degree the degree yeah. is the same. Okay? The degree yeah. is the same. And um, yeah, we're counseling patients here. It's uh, it's uh, which yeah. is you know the famous prayer. Uh, Lord, I need patience. Give it to me right now. <laughs> So, uh, the, um, and there are some educations like, uh, that regardless of how long you stretch it out, there are some fields where it's going to cost an astronomical amount. I have a nephew who's a doctor and I, I don't know how much debt he has, but I think he must have some. And we have a young fellow in our church who's a dentist and, He's got an, now he wasn't a believer when he got into it, but he has got an astronomical amount of debt. Now there's, there's a hope of income to pay that off, but that's got to be a number one priority now. Right. And there are, there are fields like that. We were obviously to go to law school, to go to med school, uh, it's going to be extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, even there, there are oftentimes scholarships and other things that can earn. Uh, you may not, those types of, of schools, you may not have the time to work simply because of the demand and workload of those particular uh, degrees. But um, again, there is the hope of income of being able right. to pay that off. And then there has to be the priority. I mean, that has to become a, you know, you can't just dismiss it. You have to say, no, I, I'm, it's a, it's like a shackle right. around my ankle to, that's going to hinder me from serving really to my fullest potential until that's taken care of. So, all right. So, um, now the other area that your article touched on was, uh, in using investments as a way for greater service in years to come. Uh, you should, you mentioned that one should always be a giver as a Christian, but if we invest well, we gain greater capacity for service through our gifts in the future. So what are ways you have seen people put this idea into practice? Well, currently I'm staying in a house. I'm helping a church that's without a pastor for a few weeks. And this church has benefited from an elderly couple who had no children. Uh, and they left their entire state mm-hmm. to the church. So there's, they now have a house for uh, as a parsonage or as a guest house for a missionary or however they want to use it. People leaving their estates uh, is one area where greatly blessed ministries. I know in colleges, 
we have seen that repeatedly, uh, large gifts being given uh, of people's estates. But also, even while you're living, um, a person who has invested wisely will generally end up with, with income that is free to give towards ministry. And as the director of a mission agency, I've seen numerous gifts be given to different missionaries to fund different mission projects. Uh, just recently, we had a gift, a $10,000 gift that was given to one of our missionaries to purchase land for uh, a new church building. And I mean, that's people who give those types of funds um, enjoy that giving. It's not a, it's not a taxation to them. It is, uh, it's a, it's a joy. I get to, I get to do this. I get to, uh, give 10,000, 20,000, or I've seen gifts of upwards of a hundred thousand being given towards different ministries as people have now, maybe in their later years now have acquired funds because of wise giving and wise investment and wise, you know, working hard through their life. Now they're able to, to give very generously and it's a great joy to be able to, right. to do that. Right. I think often as we think about, you know, this business world, in some ways there's a sort of a negative connotation to it because all businessmen of course are greedy and bloodsuckers and all this stuff but the um the thing is that in business and in work and investment people are providing a benefit to uh to their community that uh creates value and so uh as a christian i think you want to be uh taking part in the world and producing good and goods so that you can continue to serve even into your later years. It's, it's really an admirable goal. Right. Yeah. Uh, any final comments you'd like to add to this, uh, Larry, as we wrap things up? Well, I just think that it's important for us to, as a Christian, to think of ourselves as a steward. God entrusts to us as we faithfully serve him, uh, certain things. I mean, that, that may be our talents, our gifts, our abilities, but also certainly our material things. And we need to, we need to think through how can we use that wisely uh, for, for the Lord's service. And it's not about investing. It's not about getting rich. It's not about making a lot of money so we can, you know, be proud or, or lord it over someone else. But it's so that we can be in a position where, where we can not only take care of our family and our, our personal needs, but then we can use those funds uh, for Amen. the cause of Christ. And God's ministry has, has been prop, has been blessed abundantly by people in the past and present who are, who are doing that. And we need to think how we can, how we can use what God's given us to put us Absolutely. Yeah. There's great blessing in, in the service of the Lord. And as we see that, even the testimony in the epistles, as Paul commended the Philippians for their faithful giving and and so forth, that that God is, you know, if we give our whole hearts to God, He He does take care of us, and and we are, yeah, we are. Absolutely. We need to we need to live a fully committed Christian life in every aspect, and and gambling gambling is, you know, people, you know, that it's sort of a. Uh, it's almost like throwing your life away, that kind of a spirit that you're just taking a chance. Well, yeah, there's a thrill in that, but it, it, it is not a long-term focus for life. 
No, it's a losing proposition. Okay, well, Larry, I want to really thank you for the article and for taking the time. Uh, we've had several glitches in our showing our skill as podcasters here, <laughs> and, and one of these days we'll maybe get it right. But I do thank you for taking the time and working with me to get everything done. So we'll conclude our recording at this time and uh, hope our listeners profit from everything that we say today. This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend podcast.